This is draft season. Hello, everybody. My name is John Schmelk, as always, joined by friends of the program and my co-host, Eric Crocker and Tony Pauline. And of course, this podcast is brought to you by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and a proud sponsor of the New York football giants. Gentlemen, we are officially, as of this recording, one month away from the NFL draft, and we thought we would celebrate by doing our first mock draft for our podcast this season. Gentlemen, are we ready to go? We are ready. Well, we're going even if we're not ready. So let's get <laughs> no question about it. All right, let's get to it, guys. We split this up, so I made it's not going to be in a perfect order, but I split it up where one person is drafting for each team. We all have roughly the same number of picks in the draft, and we'll kind of bounce around a little bit as we go here. I want to make it as um, congruent as possible. This is predictive, not what we would do if we were the GM. So important to note that as well. So we're going to start off this draft with Eric Crocker, who will be drafting first overall for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and then, you know, predicting this pick, you know, the Jags on the clock, number one, I'm going to go Aiden Hutchinson. You know, early on, I was mocking offensive linemen to them. But as this process kind of goes on, it's clear that they want to beef up what they're doing on defense, particular uh, pass rush. And I think the run defense was lacking a little bit as well. I think that's why you go with a guy like uh, uh, Hutchinson over maybe Thibodeau, guy that might be a little bit more stout against the run. So Aiden Hutchinson is now a Jacksonville Jaguar. Easy pick. I don't think there's much more to say about that. Uh, safe pick, what most people are projecting. So let's go to Tony, number two. And this is kind of, I think, where the draft's starting a little bit here, Tone. So we yeah. gave you the tough one. The Boy. Lions have a pair of offensive tackles, so maybe they don't want to go there. Uh, what do you think we're thinking for Dan Campbell and company's uh, second pick in that regime? I'm going to throw a curveball, and I'm going to say Trayvon Walker of Georgia. And here's mm -hmm. why. Walker is zooming up uh, draft boards. I reported last week he is in the conversation to be the first overall selection of the draft by the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're not just, just doing their due diligence. They are seriously considering him. Uh, Detroit needs a pass rusher. Detroit needs a versatile defensive player. And I think Tray Trayvon Walker checks all those boxes. I think the thing with Walker is he's a guy who's very good now, who two or three years down the road can be an outstanding defensive end. And I think Detroit, even though they've got needs at safety, some needs at linebackers, some people think they're going to take a quarterback. I think they're still in a position where this franchise has to start to collect, must collect really good and potentially great players. That's why I have Walker going to him with the second pick. Yeah, and I think, guys, the Lions have, and, this, and I think the Texans are going to be like this too, and I'm going to pick for them next. Both those franchises, I still think, have a very long field of vision is what I'll call it. They don't need results today, right? So you pick the guy you think is going to be the best guy in two years, and that's why I think a pick like Walker here does, in fact, make a lot of sense. All right, Texans, I'm up at number three. Uh, again, I think this, again, is a – they can go in a lot of different ways. They renegotiated with Laramie Tunsil, so we'll see. I still think he could be on the move for future picks at some point. So I think they're going to stick at a premium position here. I thought about Kyle Hamilton, the safety. I did because I think they'll like him as a – kind of a foundational piece in the program, right type of guy with Casario trying to get the thing, you know, Lovey Smith will like him in his defense, but I'm going to go offensive line. I, and I think, you know, Casario probably still has some connections to Alabama from his time with New England with Belichick. So I'm going to go Evan Neal. I think he's a safe player. He can plug and play a right tackle right across from Tunsil if they keep him. If you move on from Tunsil, you can shift him over to the left side. I think he's as safe of a pick as you have. Uh, and even if he busts, busts, all right, he's going to be a really good guard for you, right? So I'm going to go Evan Neal, offensive lineman, third overall pick to the Houston Texans. I, I mean, you're getting, on my board anyway, the best offensive player. Uh, you know, you, you're going to have to protect Davis Mills. Davis Mills has shown a lot of uh, potential. Uh, so it makes sense. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, at this point, the Texans, they're still trying to find a quarterback. So whenever you get that quarterback, you want the right situation around them, right? So I think you beef up the offensive line. I think that kind of, you know, helps that process a little bit. Uh, Tony, you're in the tri-state area here. So I gave you the Jets at fourth yeah. overall. Yeah. Another team that can go in a lot of different directions. Right. I'm going to take cornerback Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati for a couple of reasons. Yes, the Jets did sign a couple of defensive backs in free agency. 
But with Tyreek Hill now in the division, you got Josh Allen there. You know, the fact that the Jets secondary is still very shaky. I I think uh, with Derek Stingley falling off, it's Ahmad Gardner and everyone else at the cornerback spot. And if you want to get a good potential starting cornerback, you better grab him and you better grab him early. I think he's going to go higher than people think. I think, you know, he's a good fit for uh, Salah's defense. Uh, The Jets secondary, despite the signings, is still a little bit shaky. Uh, so I, th- I think Gardner is the pick here for the Jets. Makes a lot of sense and checks off a lot of boxes. First DB off the board, Croc. Always like to get your take on that group. Your thoughts on Sauce going fourth overall? Is, is he worth the bang for the buck here? Yeah, no, he he is. He's a terrific prospect. I love his movement uh, skills and ability, especially for a corner as long as he is. I think he has good feet. And one thing I think that's going to really be something that Robert Sala likes about him: is physicality. For a guy that is as long as he is, being 6'3", little slim, he's slim built, 200 pounds. He's, he's physical. He's not scared to stick his nose in there and get a little dirty. And Robert Sala, he's all about that. He built the 49ers on that type of mentality. And I think he's going to try to do the same thing with the uh, New York Jets. All right, we're up to the fifth pick here with the New York Giants. I gave myself the Giants being kind of in the building, literally. Uh, give me a good feel for who they might want to pick. Uh, just a reminder the Giant fans, too, by the way, this will be the last draft season episode that's going to show up on your Giants huddle podcast feed. So make sure if you like this podcast, go subscribe to the draft season podcast feed from here on out. That'll be the only place you can find the show. So make sure you go and find that. And again, it's all presented by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and official partner of the New York Giants. So the New York Giants at fifth overall, I think this is an easy selection. They have Andrew Thomas at left tackle. They want to secure the offensive line. Even if Ike Aquanu never develops into a great blindside pass protector, you feel pretty good about him as a um, power player at right tackle. Worst comes to worst, you can punch him in the guard at some point. He's still on the board here. Uh, given his toughness, his testing, his upside, and his room to grow, I like Charles Cross better as a pure pass protector and a left tackle. But again, Giants have Andrew Thomas there. So Ike Aquanu, I think, is the easy pick here at five. And that's where I'm going with the Giants. And if he doesn't make it a tackle, you can always stick him in the guard and he's going to be a monster guard. So I think, he, you know, with the Giants having, you know, two picks, not back-to-back, but close to back-to-back, uh, you, you can't basically chance Aquano, you know, making it to that seventh selection. He fits a need. You know, he's got tremendous upside and he's got some versatility in the sense that he could play either, you know, you're going to try him a tackle. Worst case scenario, you stick him in the guard. And I think he's going to be a good play at the next level a couple of years down the road. Yeah, I had to pick him here because I don't trust Crocker at six passing up him at number <laughs> six there. And he's laughing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly who I was taking that six. So, you know, me picking for Carolina Panthers, we have to pivot a little bit. But we're still going off the line. And now we'll take Charles Cross, who I think is one of the more athletic tackles in this class. I think he is even more of a pure offensive tackle than Equinu. Equinu, we'll see. You know, he's not the longest of guys. He's a little bit shorter in stature as compared to maybe what some of these teams are looking for at tackle. And I like how Tony brought up him potentially being a guard. But Cross, he's a pure offensive tackle. I like him on the outside. The thing with the Panthers are, what, what, what is their direction? Yeah. Where are they headed? Like, they, they don't know what's going on at the quarterback position. They have some players here and there, you know, receivers. They're, they're talking about trading Christian McCaffrey, edge rusher. You know, you like Brian Burns, but you'll see what they do outside of him. I don't know the direction there, but I do know one thing. They couldn't protect my daughter rushing the passer last season. So they definitely have to go offensive line here. I like Charles Cross to do that. And I just want to, just to build on what Eric had said, I reported last week at Pro Football Network that they're not on the same page in that front office. The, the, the general manager is going in one direction. The coach wants something else. So there's no mesh meshing in the front office there, which is a dangerous thing, which goes to what to Croc's point. Yeah, the coach wants to keep his job. <laughs> and I think the general right. manager, uh, you think the, you th- you think the GM's thinking quarterback, Tony? Is that what the GM's thinking? Uh, I don't know at this point in time. I, I think he would probably lean towards quarterback. But like you said, uh, you know, Rule wants to keep his job. And Rule needs a quarterback that can start from day one. And there really aren't any of those types at the position this year's draft. Yeah, it's a tough spot. Now, the Giants come at seven. I'm picking up my phone, picking up my cell. I'm calling back. Anybody want to move up? No one want a quarterback? No? We got Falcons at eight. They might be in the market. No? Seahawks? No? (laughs) No one? No. And I thought about it. I also control the Steelers at 20. So I thought about calling myself to maybe getting ahead of these teams to pick. 
Um, but I don't think Pittsburgh would be willing to give enough to, to make that move and that big of a splash. So I think if you're a giant sitting here at seven, I think you have to pick Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, I think you have to. He is the best tape at, at edge in the draft in terms of high-end tape, what he can do, high-end rush potential. I understand the off-the-field, uh, the um, coachability stuff, and you know maybe he's thinking he has already arrived when he hasn't. I get that, but I think now it's seven. You pick the guy with the most high-end potential at a premium spot like edge rusher, and Sauce Gardner's gone, who was my other choice here. I think you got to do it. Kayvon Thibodeau, seventh overall to the New York Giants. And the fact is this, he's a high-risk, high-reward type of player. As I said, you know, in the article I wrote at the Combine, you can't miss on Thibodeau. If you take him in the top seven and you miss on him, you're never going to live it down. But at the same point in time, if you keep passing on him and he gets outside the top seven, top eight, and he turns into the player that we all think he can be, you're never going to live that down either. It's all a matter of getting inside his head Get you know, lighting that fire and getting Thibodeau to play up to his uh, potential. And if you do, you're going to have one of the best players in this year's draft. All right. Now we go to Tony and number eight with the Atlanta Falcons. Could we have our first QB? Yeah, you, we're going to. I'm going to go with Malik Willis here. I didn't believe and I still don't believe Malik Willis is a top 12 pick. I think he can be an outstanding quarterback in the future. But the fact is they traded Matt Ryan. They brought in Marcus Mariota. They've got a newer staff there. They've got a staff that had success in Tennessee rehabilitating the career of Ryan Tannehill. So why not bring in Malik Willis, sit him for a year, maybe play him a little bit as as a rookie, develop him down the road. I mean, this is the player that this regime in Atlanta, this present regime with the Falcons, is going to basically lay, lay it on the line for. I think it makes a lot of sense, even though it's off my board, and the sense that Malik Willis is rated much lower than any of the other players uh, that are available right now. Croc, that surprise you at all? Uh, just a little, but I mean, I was kind of looking at him with the next pick. So, you know, he <laughs> him up. I actually just did a mock for uh, Locked On Draft, and I had Falcons taking the quarterback as well. Not Malik Willis because he was already gone. But I do like the thoughts of having a guy that's there for the future. Now, they got to put the pieces around them and build because that team right now, it's, it's kind of in the dumps. What are they going to do at the receiver position? Definitely have to add some weapons there. Uh, the defense, terrible. Offensive line, terrible. So they, they have to really do a lot to build around the young guy. But it's a scenario where you don't have to come in and play right away because there is, you know, Marcus Mariota, who, you know, he's not the long-term answer, but I think in the short term, he can kind of get you by for a little bit. All right, Croc, you're up. Are we going to have back-to-back QBs here, man? What do you got? Uh, we are not going to have back-to-back uh, QBs, and uh, we're actually going to the different side, the other side of the ball for the Seattle Seahawks. Going edge rusher, we're going to take Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. All right, look at what the Seahawks have done, especially with the pass rushers coming off the edge. I mean, they drafted LJ Collar a couple years ago in three seasons. He has three total sacks. That's not going to cut it. They tried to go out. They signed uh, Kerry Hyder from the 49ers. Last season, he didn't give them the production that they were looking for, and he walked in free agency. They really have to do something to address that position. I think having a guy like Jermaine Johnson being able to come off the edge, they they need that in their defense. They start to get back to, you know, really what, what made Seattle good in the first place. And that's their type of player. I, I mean, that is the, the – the, they like that sort of slightly undersized, very explosive, very athletic edge rusher that you can come out of a three-point stance that can stand over tackle. That's the type of guy that they have had success with in the past. All right. So one quarterback gone in the top nine. Now we get to 10 with the Jets, Tony. And I think there might be a flashing red light here above one player that's left on the board. I wonder if that's where you're going. No way. I I know who you're talking about. That's Kyle Hamilton. I'm not going to take Kyle Hamilton for a couple of reasons. Number one, I took a defensive back with the first pick with my first pick, number four. Number two, the Jets already signed a a strong safety type uh, in David Whitehead. You got Ashton Davis there. I think you need more of a pure free safety. Kyle Hamilton doesn't uh, fit that bill for me. Talked about it a lot on on this uh, podcast. Had his pro day last week, ran anywhere from a 4.62 to a 4.56. And all we heard when he ran to combine was, oh, he was running too far to the right. He's going to really improve during his pro day. Really didn't. Goes into the draft with a slow uh, 40, slow shuttle times, slow, slow three cone. I would have taken Jermaine Johnson if he was there for the Jets. I would have taken Kayvon Thibodeau. 
David Ajabu, you can't take him because he's injured. So I think Jordan Davis would be a consideration here. I'm going to go to the other side of the ball. I'm going to go Garrett Wilson of Ohio State. Jets have a desperate need at receiver. Garrett Wilson is probably one of the most NFL-ready receivers in this year's draft. He's a good fit. People will say Drake London, but Garrett Wilson is a better route runner. He separates through his routes much better than Drake London does. And that is a good system fit. And they're getting an exceptional receiver. And when you look at my board, the number one receiver, and really there's only two players that I have on my board available that are rated higher than the Wilson. And one of them is a who's injured. You're not going to take him. No, I'm with you. Look, the jets, they could build their team as well as they can. If they don't get the quarterback, right. None right. of it's going to matter. Right. Nope. So you want to try to help the quarterback. Great pick Garrett Wilson. That makes my pick for Washington pretty easy. I was thinking about a wide receiver here too, because you always want to try to help, you know, help Terry McLaurin a little bit. But, you know, Landon Collins is there anymore. They don't have a lot of players at wide at safety. They've been trying to help their secondary for years in Washington. I think Kyle Hamilton's the pick here for Washington at number 11. I mean, we'll see. Uh, well, you know, are, are they going to use him as a, a true free? Do you, have, do, you, do you figure him as a true free safety? Do you, do you figure him as a strong safety? Is he going to play be, be the hybrid type of player? I will say this. I think this is where Kyle Hamilton should go. Okay. I never, as we've talked about, I've never projected him as a top five pick. So, uh, you know, even though I'm not as high on Kyle Hamilton as a lot of people, uh, a lot of other people have been throughout the process. I think it's good value here because this is where his draft grade, this is where he deserves to go. Yeah, and I think you put him in there as your single high or however they're going to run their defense as a deep safety. You let him range. You don't ask him to play man a lot. I think he'll be a really good player. Croc, you're up. We're up to the 12th overall pick, Minnesota Vikings on the board. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is Tony. Uh, this, this is, is me. Tony with the this Minnesota Vikings on the board. My mistake. Yeah, and my job, this is a very easy pick as well, far as... No, I have the... I have the or, did you guys change it up? Because... It, well, I'm looking at pick 12 after Vikings. Pick 12, Minnesota Vikings, Pauline. Oh. Yeah, I got Tony here, Croc. You're up next with, uh, you got the you got the three Eagles picks coming up here. Okay. All right. Okay, now we're on the same page. To me, this is a very easy pick. I, I mean, it's going to be Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, they have a needed cornerback at the top of his game. This guy is probably the best cornerback in the draft. He's not as good as Ahmad Gardner. He's got questions going into the draft where Ahmad Gardner has significantly fewer. You know, if, if they get the Derek Stingley that we saw in 2018 as a true freshman at LSU, they got themselves a heck of a player. If they get the guy that's been injured with the Liz Frank injury that's kind of played up and down football, I, I think, you know, rambling on, Derek Stingley is definitely worth the risk here, worth the roll of the dice. If you hit on him, you hit a grand slam. Yeah, well, I thought I had this pick, but we were picking the same guy, Derek Stingley Jr. Go. For sure. You look at what they have at the cornerback position right now. Cam Dantzler. I mean, there were times where they didn't even want to have him on the field. Harrison Hand, even behind him, not much depth. You got Chris Boyd out of Texas, uh, Chandon Sullivan. So there's really just not much there at the cornerback position. Uh, they had to release a uh, corner that they drafted for, uh, first round a couple years ago. Obviously, Camp Dantzler, again, I just don't think he has the high-end upside from a physicality standpoint or athleticism standpoint. So, yeah, D, uh, Derek Stingley, I think they're really going to like this pick. But, again, I think, like Tony said, there are the question marks about the injuries. How is he recovering from that? We haven't seen him run, even though I think he's fine there. Terrific athlete. Uh, but, really, the peak of his college career was his freshman year. And I think sometimes we get caught up in how well someone plays as a freshman, maybe exceeding expectations. And then it's like, well, it only can be, get better from here. And with Derek Stingley Jr., it actually went the other way. Now, everything I'm hearing is, is injuries, injuries, injuries. But if that's all we have to go off of, you know, how do you project that to the NFL? So I like him here. I think he's that type of talent. But there definitely are some question marks. Yeah, look, I don't think you go wrong getting a guy that could be the top cover guy in the draft. And I just I just popped you the order on email, Croc, to make sure we're on the same page here for the rest of the picks. Uh, but we should be. All right, let's go to number 13. I'm up Houston Texans here. So for the third pick, this is one of the repeats. I drafted Evan Neal, the offensive tackle. And I really think the Texans are just really in best player available territory here as they try to fill out their roster. And I think there are a couple interesting spots they could go. I think they're going to try to secure their front lines. Yep. And you go back to Nick Casario, you think back to what Vince Wolfork was able to do for New England back in the day. 
So I'm going to go for the big nose tackle, defensive tackle, Jordan Davis out of Georgia here. I think they like his upside. He's a guy that will develop as you move along. I think he's an extremely safe player. He's a guy you can build around. So I'm going Jordan Davis. I see you're nodding along, Tony. Are you happy with that pick? I think it's a great pick. I, I mean, it's funny, you know, and like Vince Wolfwalk, who was considered overweight and more of a two-down defender who turned out to be a sensational NFL player, there are a lot of parallels here. And he's a guy that you can build your defensive line around. You know, you can add pieces later on. And he's just going to clog the middle and occupy the gaps and occupy blockers and create opportunities for his teammates. Uh, I have him rated a little bit higher on my board, but I think I could see him sliding into this area of round one. And I'll say I would have considered David Ojabo here if he hadn't torn his Achilles. That was another guy I would have thought about here, a guy you know that you have to develop a little bit to be a high-end edge guy. He would have been another guy I would have considered in this spot if he didn't hurt his Achilles at his, uh, at his pro day. All right, uh, Croc, you're coming up soon with the Eagles, Tony. One more for you for Baltimore before Croc takes over this draft for about five minutes. Go ahead, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I- I'm going to go with Trevor Penning, the right tackle from Northern Iowa. I think the Jets would like him, but I don't think they're going to take him at 10. They may trade down and get him. But, I mean, the, the uh, Ravens just signed Morgan Moses to a three-year deal, which is really, when you look at it, almost a one-year deal. You draft Trevor, and I don't know that Morgan Moses is there, you know, is going to be their future starter anyway, uh, future going deep into 2022. I think they wanted a big-time starter at right tackle. I think Penning brings that. I think he brings some athleticism. I think he's a good fit. And more than anything else, with Morgan Moses there, you have a veteran who can lead him, who can mentor him, who can help him as Trevor Penning eventually takes over that starting right tackle spot for the Ravens. And his whole attitude with their power running game, right? Doesn't it just seem to fit? He or the, yeah, the Ravens or the Steelers or one of, you know, one of those teams, uh, the, uh, the Raiders as well. I, I think uh, it's a great fit, not only on the field, but mentally and the type of personality, as you point out. All right. So just FYI, we'll do a little quick recap here. We have four offensive tackles in the first 14 picks. We got two corners, a safety, and five defensive linemen, just to give an idea of where the strength is in this draft class. Trenches. Trenches, 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 right? One skill position guy in Garrett Wilson, Malik Willis, the quarterback. Otherwise, it's all big men inside. Though, that might change here with the Philadelphia Eagles, at least with one of their picks coming up here. Croc, you got the Eagles at 15. This is the pick they got from the Dolphins in the Jalen Waddle trade last year. And then you get the Eagles from the Colts as part of the Carson Wentz trade from last year. Croc, you're up two times. All right, here we go. So at 15, I have them taking, you mentioned this guy, David Ajabo. If there's anyone that can take on an edge rusher that maybe won't be able to play in the first quarter of the season, I think it's the Eagles who have three other or two other first-round draft picks. All right. Obviously, they, I mean, they have a need at the edge position. You look at what they have kind of going on there. Uh, they lost Derek Barnett. We'll see what happens there. I mean, Brandon Graham, he's been hurt, and he's older, a little long in the tooth there. They're going to have to improve at that position eventually. Ajabo, again, he's going to have to sit out a little bit of the season, but I think he'll be there at the prime time when you need it most down the stretch, a team trying to make a run for the playoffs. He'll be available there. So that's why I have them taking at pick 15. At pick 16, I have them taking cornerback Andrew Booth out of Clemson. You know, I think he fits the style of play that the Philadelphia Eagles have. A little high for my liking for where ideally I would like to take him. But a few picks up. I like him there, pick uh, 16. Uh, and they're going to need cornerback help, help as well. Obviously, you have... Uh, gosh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Wearing number two, Darius Slade Jr. Had a tremendous year. You have him, but they have to build opposite him as well and have a guy for a long term. So I like Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson going there. Two good picks. Eagles trying to help their defense. The Chargers now step in. I have them at number 17. And as Tony picked Trevor Penning, I'm slamming my head against the table. Like, that's the offensive tackle I want to get to me. So I actually do think the Chargers from a strategic standpoint, are a trade-up option here when you get to draft night. It's been such an arms race in the AFC West. I could see them trying to move up to make sure they get the right tackle because, in my opinion, they have to leave this draft with the right, ta- with, with the right tackle. With those pass rushers in the AFC West, Storm Norton's not going to cut it. They need a right tackle. 
So I'm going to the next one on the board. It's too high on my board. I wouldn't pick this guy that high. I know a lot of NFL teams do like him. He can move really well. I'm going to go Bernard Ryman here, um, the offensive tackle, the Austrian kid as a developmental player. Uh, a lot of teams do like him. I've talked to enough people where they think he's going to go potentially in the late teens and early 20s. It might take a little while now. There's a lot of stuff to clean up. I don't think he does a great job getting his hands inside. I think he holds them too low. Uh, but I do think he's a guy that can help them at that right tackle spot. I'm going to give him Bernard Ryman, the offensive tackle out of uh, Central Michigan. And I think this is the point where you're at the draft and everybody goes, oh, and starts scratching their heads if they do that. But I do like the fact that you have him over at right tackle because that's what I think he is in the NFL. I think he's going to be a right tackle. He's got tremendous upside. He's an outstanding athlete. He's got the size. Uh, you know, you're just going to have to coach him to basically play to his athletic ability and, and his size number and his, uh, and his size. Oh, this is a neat pick. I'm not even fronting that. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I mean, I, I watched the chargers in that last game and people, people can point to maybe some coaching decisions that were questionable going for it on fourth down, did that in several games. But the biggest reason I feel like the chargers had such a difficult time is they could not protect uh, your quarterback because of the right tackle position. Crosby was back there all night at the snap. And that's tough on any quarterback, especially a young quarterback who, you know, maybe sometimes might take a little bit of time to see things kind of play out how it's going. So uh, I, I thought for sure, like once I saw that, like that's got to be a need for the Chargers in this upcoming draft. Yeah, and they didn't do anything to address it in a free agency at all. So right. I think I really do think, and we are permitting trades in this, but it's hard in these live mock drafts to do trades. Um, I do really think they could be a, a, a trade-up candidate here. All right, Tony, we got the Saints at 18 before we get the uh, Eagles back on at 19 here. What are you looking at for New Orleans? You know, they could go receiver. Uh, you got two really good receivers up there. But they have just ignored the quarterback spot for such a long period of time, and they passed up quarterback after quarterback that they could have developed. I really want to put Chris Olave or Drake London in this spot, but I got to put Matt Corral because eventually, yeah, I mean, they've got to address the position. Yeah, they re-signed Jameis Winston, but, you know, what is he the long-term answer? Uh, again, go back to what I said with Atlanta. Uh, you bring in uh, Malik Willis, you let him sit at least, you know, for much of his rookie season, let him develop. I like Matt Corral, plays for the New Orleans Saints, went to college right down the road at Mississippi. I like his upside, just going to need a little bit of time. So while I really want the receiver, I put a receiver here, New Orleans is just going to be one of those teams that continually misses because they don't have the quarterback. They don't have a quarterback since Drew Brees left. I think this is their future. Croc, what do you think about Corral being the second quarterback off the board here? Yeah, I mean, not surprised. I mean, when you see kind of the intangibles that he has and the playmaking, the ability, and a lot of teams kind of leaning towards that way. If there's any team that's been around a quarterback that's a little vertically challenged, uh, they'll know how to handle him. You know, Corral, not the biggest in stature of quarterbacks, but has definitely a good enough arm. And definitely plus plus athleticism. I mean, he had a game where he ran for almost 200 yards last season, uh, playing out in the SEC. So, you know, throwing ability is really good. Sounds like uh, after his pro day, a lot of scouts were, you know, really liking the way the ball was coming out of his hands. It, this, You know, Tony's right. The, the Saints have to do something at the quarterback position. And I don't think Jameis Winston is the long-term answer there. So if, if he were, then they wouldn't have waited so long to re-sign him. So, yeah, I like it. Crocker, you're back up with the Eagles, their third first-rounder. All right, well, we had Tony. He was talking about a couple of receivers being taken. I'm glad he didn't have these guys come off the board. Uh, I'm going with Drake London out of USC. And this is a guy who a lot of people are going to question his 40-yard dash time. I hope he doesn't run it. If, if I'm him, I go to Michael Crabtree route. And y'all remember, Michael Crabtree had a ton of protection, one of the better college football careers that I've ever seen. But people kind of question his speed. He didn't run his 40 at all. And because he was dealing with some kind of foot injury and end up going top 10 to the 49ers. I think Drake London can do some of the same. They, they, they utilize him in all levels of the field. Yeah, vertically, just speed. If you want him to just run by a guy, he's not going to do that. But he definitely does a really good job of putting himself in position with body control, his basketball background. A lot of people, I mean, he played basketball at USC. All right, he just now kind of committed to being a full-time 
wide receiver. All right, so there's still more kind of developing going on there, but he's not this big, stiff mover. He's very fluid. The change of direction is solid for someone that's 6'4", 220 pounds. Uh, the run after catch, I think, is really kind of undervalued with how good he is, but not enough people are talking about that because he's not just a blazer after the catch, but he brings something to this receiver room. I mean, you're looking at what, uh, Zach Pasqual, Pascal, uh, Kez Watkins. I really like Devontae Smith. But they got to do a little bit more there, and they missed on Rager a couple years ago. So I really like him here. And if you have a quarterback that maybe isn't precise with his uh, precision as a passer, get him someone that has a huge catch radius, and you have a little bit more room for error to miss. You know, it'll be interesting the Drake London pick because Howie Roseman really prioritizes speed the way Al Davis did. You look at his picks at the receiver position. It'll be interesting to see if what Croc says come true because Drake London's supposed to work out for scouts on April 5th. Does he run the uh, Does he run the 40 there? Or does he say his ankle's still bothering him? It'll be interesting to see. I think the ankle should be bothering him just enough to get through the workout but not to run that 40. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Hey, you run that 40. Once you put that on paper, you know, look, look at, look at uh, Traylon Burks, right? I mean, if he just ran a little faster, there wouldn't be any worries in the world. He'd be 100% first rounder. Now, it, at, it at least put the questions in a lot of people's minds. Don't put the, they already have the question, but don't confirm it. All right, let's go to pick number 20. We'll stick in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh Steelers. And maybe this is lazy connective tissue, but I'm going to use it anyway. Who should the Steelers be more familiar with than the quarterback that they shared a stadium with last year, right? Kenny Pickett. A lot of you will think he's the safest quarterback on the board. The Steelers should be very familiar with him, given the fact, again, uh, the Panthers and the Steelers share that stadium in, in Pittsburgh. So they need a long-term answer there. Trubisky's a good placeholder. Uh, I think they will try to find a quarterback in this draft. Again, I do think that they are a trade-up potential team here. Uh, if they do love him, fill in love with, uh, with the Malik Willis, go up and get him. I think that's possible. But in this scenario, they stay where they are. And I think they'll try to pick their quarterback of the future, Kenny Pickett, out of the University of Pittsburgh. And that has been their strategy all along. We reported, I reported from before the combine, their strategy was to sign a veteran, and it was Mr. Trubisky, and then bring a young guy in and develop the young guy behind uh, Trubisky. And Trubisky signed, I believe, what? It was a two-year deal. So it, it makes total sense. I do agree with you. They may make a move from Malik Willis because that's the guy that they really like. All right, so now let's the next three picks. We're going to have... Um, Tony with the Pats. Then we have Croc with the Packers and the Arizona Cardinals. So, Tony, you're up here with the Patriots at number 21. Go ahead. Patriots need some linebacker, uh, some receivers. They need some interior offensive linemen, but they also need a linebacker. Devin Lloyd. I mean, Bill Belichick has had, has had great success with the linebackers he's drafted. He, he's really developed these guys well. Devin Lloyd is a guy you can play him in the middle. You can play him on the outside. I've gushed over Devin Lloyd. He's a three-down player. I think he's perfect for the Belichick system. I think Belichick is going to have a field day with this selection. Yeah, he is the length too, right? You can blitz him. They like blitzing their linebackers. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a real good ver I, I think that's a I think it's a good fit, Tone. I really do. Croc, are you gonna make Aaron Rodgers happy here at 22? I, I think somewhat. I'm a little torn here because there's a receiver that I really want to put here, but it's in the one, another one of those guys kind of coming off of an injury. But, man, I, I can't pass on Jameson Williams any longer. Uh, this is just maybe the most electrifying receiver in this class. I went back and was just watching some All-22 film of him, and this is a guy who won. He ran this 18-yard comeback and it was beautiful the way he, I mean, just exploded. Him and the other receiver on the opposite side, they were pushing vertical. They ran marrying routes. But he got to 18, 20 yards much quicker, got out of his breaks, like, with little wasted movement, and worked back to the quarterback. Thought that was terrific. And then just other things he did in that game. I mean, the way he was able to split to two guys that were high, a corner playing over the top and a safety, he ran by both of those guys, and then not only outran them, caught the ball, and then ran those guys out of their form. When you see guys running out of their form, that means that receiver they're chasing, he's hot. All right, he's fast. And, and then he caught a slant, took that to the uh, crib, outran everyone. He's just way too explosive. The injury might, you know, it might affect some things. But again, this is, uh, you know, with the torn ACL, it's a nine-month injury. This happened in January. I think if you kind of look at it moving forward, 
he should be ready by October. Now, will he be 100%? Probably not. But will he still be, you know, still be good? And we'll see how the rehab goes. Yes, and he's a receiver. Maybe if it doesn't hit 1,000% this year, definitely moving forward. So I couldn't pass him anymore. Too explosive. I think he's my wide receiver one in this class. No, nah, I think that will make Aaron Rodgers pretty happy. They need a speed factor there. They just lost Valdez Scanling, who was one of their speed guys. He signed, obviously, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and hope to try to replace, like like you're going to replace Tyreek Hill, but at least put, take some of that um, take some of that role. All right, Croc, uh, you're the NFC West man here. You cover the 49ers. Cardinals, 23rd overall. What do you think? I think they got to go cornerback here. And with the cornerback, we're going to go... Kyrie Elam out of Florida. Nice, physical, uh, big corner. But I think he does a solid job of playing off. I watched his pro day this morning. Terrific job. Looks smooth, transitioning in and out of breaks. Think he's going to be solid. You know, watch him on film. He challenged guys. I just said all his praise about Jameson Williams. Well, he went head up with Jameson Williams. And I thought he did a terrific job throughout that entire game, not being overly worried or getting beat over the top or anything like that by speed guys. And not just Jameson Williams. I mean, they had John Mechie as well. Did a terrific job there. I think this guy is not being talked about enough in this class at the cornerback position. Really like him there, and I'm giving him to the Cardinals, who, I mean, they 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 need help there. They played Marco Wilson a lot there, and I, I like Marco. Physical freak, had one of the more impressive pro days like ever at the cornerback position, but they need something else there, and I think it's going to be Kyrie Elam. Yeah, I mean, as we've seen in previous drafts, cornerbacks – usually are the ones that go late in round one where no one expects them, you know, no one is projecting them early on to go. We've seen it time and time again. I absolutely see it with Elon. I like Elon more than I like Booth uh, in the sense that I think he's faster. He's as physical. He's got terrific size. He's got a tremendous amount of upside. We still haven't seen Booth run. He may pull, uh, you know, he may base, he may follow Eric Crocker's lead <laughs> and not run for the draft. Uh, which will be a red flag. But yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And I think more than anything else, Elam is being undervalued in the outside in the scouting world, in the internet. All right, next three picks. I'm up with Dallas. Tony's got the Bills. Then Cross got the Titans. I think Dallas is in a great situation here. Uh, they could think about corner, maybe Trent McDuffie. He doesn't really fit, though, the Dan Quinn long cornerback that they want. So I'm going to push that off the board. Could you maybe go George Karloftis, who I think is one of the best players left from Purdue? You know, but Dan Quinn tends to like the, the quicker, faster, more explosive players off the edge. So I don't know about that. What the Cowboys do need is offensive linemen. They need a guard to replace Connor Williams, and I'm not sure they're completely sold on Tyler Biotish at center. So you're looking at the top three interior guys here. Is it Kenyon Green? Is it Zion Johnson? Is it Tyler Linderbaum? I think those are the three guys Dallas will look at in this spot when they're making their consideration. Or do they want to move maybe Micah Parsons over to edge permanently to replace Randy Gregory and you draft the Kobe Dean? That's another option. But I think we've seen them have success taking offensive linemen in the first round before. I think they'll do so again. They are not a super heavy zone blocking scheme. They do it a lot, but they're not a completely... A zone blocking scheme. So I think they'll want somebody with a little bit more position versatility. So I'm going to go Zion Johnson, guard out of Boston College here to Dallas. He kind of fits that Zach Martin, very safe player type of profile. I thought about Linderbaum, but I'll pull the trigger on Zion Johnson instead. I mean, it makes sense. Like you said, the position vers versatility is what sticks out to him. Probably starting at guard, maybe develop him into a center. Yep. Uh, which is his position. And the fact is, is if your left tackle goes down with an injury, you can probably slide him out to left tackle in a pinch if you really need him. All right. Now we're going to go to Tony with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, they need a cornerback. And as much as I like Roger McCreary, can't really take him. I think this is a little bit too early for, uh, for, for McCreary. Uh, they need a, a pass rusher. I just don't know about George Karloftis. Primarily coming out of a three-point stance on an every-down basis because I like him standing up over tackle. They could use another receiver here, but you know what? You got Josh Allen. You want to protect him. They, they re-signed Mitch Morse a free agency. They re-upped him. You know, you, you got a kind of a hole there at left tackle. They did bring in Roger Saffold, who's, who's an aging veteran. I'm going to go with Kenyon Green here. 
a guy who can play multiple positions on the inside. You could probably even stick him out and tackle if you really need him, although I don't project him as a tackle. Highly rated guy. Plays that, you know, smash your smash mouth, punch in the face type of football that the Bills like on their offensive line. So I've taken Kenyon Green of Texas A&M. Good pick. And this is about when you're going to have the interior offensive linemen start to come off the board here. Crock, uh, you're up for Tennessee. Yeah, you know, I, I really wanted to go quarterback here, but the three guys who I would assume go first round, they're all gone already. Because like T T Tannehill, what, what's the goal there at the quarterback position? How long are they going to kind of keep doing this? A quarterback that is solid, you know, you will go to the playoffs with, but maybe not good enough to kind of take them over the top. And everything has had to go through the running back, Derrick Henry, to the point where he ran his foot off last season and still rushed back from that. All right, but... I think right here, we're giving them a receiver. We're giving A.J. Brown some help. They tried to go Julio Jones. That experiment didn't quite work as, as well. They just traded for Robert Woods. He's coming off of an ACL injury. I expect him to be ready to go, but need a little bit more. And they don't have it on the depth chart. Desvid Patrick, Racy McMath, Cody Hollister. There's really not those guys there, just some uh, names. So we're going to go with receiver out of North Dakota State. Christian Watson, uh, you know, 6'4", 210 pounds, runs 4'3", 6". He's a flyer. I think he's a guy that can be used in a multiple ways. He's a big catch radius guy. You know, it, it was curious or cool for me to see, you know, Trey Lance and watch all this Trey Lance film. And all you keep asking yourself the whole time is, who the heck is number one? Who keeps making these plays? Who's outrunning all these defenses and winning at every level? Then you watch him at the Senior Bowl. He passed that test. How would he do against F FBS cornerbacks? Well, it didn't matter. Most people would tell you that he was the best receiver there. Then he goes to the combine, blows it away. I saw a couple drops in the, in the field drills, but I can look past that a little bit if he's bringing that explosive ability. And I think he'd be a terrific receiver to complement what they have in A.J. Brown. So basically be what Julio Jones was supposed to be when they brought him in last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go on. Next selection. Uh, I'm up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think this is an interesting pick. You know, they have a good team. They're trying to win the Super Bowl. They lost Ali Marpet. I would have considered Kenyon Green here, Tony, before you took him off the board. So that's no longer an option. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is not back. They have Anthony Nelson, who was a draft pick either last year or the year before, right? He's I a good will. player. So is that someone they can consider there? I don't know. Um, but I do think they could use a little help on the defensive line. They always need secondary help too, but they do have Antoine Winfield who's a good safety. And as you guys have mentioned, you know, they don't have a ton of corners left. I don't think Trent McDuffie is a Todd Bowles type of cornerback. So I don't think that makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to stick on the defensive line here. And I think there are three good options. I think Devontae White's a guy you could take a look at. who's a, who's a good defensive lineman. They still have Ndamukong Kinsu. They still have Vita Vea. Um, so who are they going to replace JPP with on the edge? Do they like more of the Boye Mafe type or do they like more of the George Karloftis type? I think they're going to go with the, more of the power player who can, you know, get ISO'd when they do a lot of their blitzes and stuff like that. So I'm going to give them George Karloftis, the defensive end out of Purdue. I think value-wise, he's probably my highest-graded player left. Spare maybe a wide receiver or so. So I'm going to give the Bucs Karloftis to try to reinforce that defensive line. You know, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, they, they whiffed on Joe Tryon last year, and they wanted him to be that type of player. Joe Tryon, who did, uh, sat out 2020 COVID year and, and was a surprise pick with the last selection in 2020, last selection of round one in 2021. <laughs> Carl, excuse me, is good value here. He's got a great amount of upside. He's just got to develop his game. So, and he's not a guy that I, I think you're going to rely on as an every down player uh, early in his rookie career. And as he gets bigger, as he gets stronger, as he feel, we know he's a good athlete, as he fills out that frame, I think it's an excellent pick and it'll make up for what looks like was a mistake with Joe Tryon a, a year ago. All right, we only got five picks left here. We got Croc with the pack, two straight with Tony and KC. I have Cincy, and then Croc will wrap things up uh, with the Detroit Lions. So um, let's go Packers here, Croc. Are you going to make Aaron Rodgers even happier? We are not making him any happier, <laughs> but he might be happy because we're getting a guy that's going to help the defense. And, you know, you lose Zadarius Smith, and yeah. you got to figure out, you know, how exactly are we going to replace him? I know 
I like what they've done with, you know, you got Preston Smith, they're bringing him back. Uh, you also have uh, uh, Gary from Michigan. Yep. That's his name, right, Gary? I don't Rashawn know why I'm Gary, yep. his name right now. We have Rashawn Gary. But we're going edge rusher. Now, I think this is an opportunity for Boye Mafe to come off the board and really kind of be that speed guy off the edge. He could drop in the coverage, so there's some versatility there. Still is growing as a pass rusher, a little limited with snaps throughout his career at Minnesota. But again, another guy who passed the test at the Senior Bowl, did a really good job in one-on-ones, went to the Senior Bowl game, got a sack strip fumble. That was awesome to see. Uh, I like him here playing in the... Still continue to kind of play up in that region of the United States with Green Bay Packers. Broke my heart because that's who I wanted for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, <laughs> listen, guy's been zooming up, zooming up draft boards. He's a phenomenal athlete. He was a terrific pass rusher. Not just a pass rusher. If you watch the Minnesota uh, uh, film, the game film, he can get out in space and make plays against the run and pursuit. You can drop him off coverage. He's got a great amount of upside. He's been moving up draft boards. I have him as a second-round pick, but I could see him sliding to the late part of round one. All right, Tony, you got back-to-back with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Obviously, they need a receiver with, with the trade with the, uh, the trade last week. A uh, couple of good receivers on the board. I'm going to go with the speed guy, one of my favorite guys, Chris Olave. I was thinking Jahan Dotson. Traylon Burks, I just don't know he's a good fit. They can get a bigger receiver uh, later on. And, and really, the Chiefs' history is not – been one where they take receivers early. They wait till day two and they get their receivers later on. But I think with the need at this point in time, uh, with the fact that they want a, a guy that's vertical and get down the field, I think uh, Chris Olave makes a lot of sense. I think he's being ridiculously underrated. Obviously, they need an edge rusher, but the next edge rusher on my board is Nick Benito of Oklahoma. I don't see him as a first round pick. They do need cornerbacks. So I'm going to go with my other guy who I think is very underrated, Roger McCreary, who we've talked about a lot on this, on this show. You know, doesn't have great size, has short, you know, shorter than desirable arms, ran the four fives, low four fives, high four fours at the combine. He's just a tremendous cornerback. Uh, uh, He's got great ball skills. He's got it going on between the ears. Love his game. Go back and watch that uh, Alabama film. Uh, the last game of the season, the last regular game of the season, how he shut down those receivers. Uh, and I think he's going to be a good addition. And I think it's worth it for to take Roger McCreary, take a chance on him late in round one. Well, I'm going to use that as a transition because the Bengals need a cornerback. They still have Eli Apple as one of their starting cornerbacks. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Eli Apple as one of your starting cornerbacks. We saw it at the end of that game, how that goes. Teams will target him. It's not going to work. Um, McCreary was in the mix for me. Um, I would again look at perhaps Devontae Wyatt here as, as a three-tech on the defensive line. Uh, but I think Trent McDuffie is, is a really good cornerback. He's the best cornerback left on the board. Um, I'm going to go with McDuffie to the Bengals here uh, at cornerback at pick number 31. We got one pick left, Croc. You got the Lions. Um, what are you thinking, my man? I'm thinking this is a team, and I, I had a Lions fan message me. I was like, man, you guys always mock quarterbacks to the Lions. And it's like, well, yeah, nobody thinks that Jared Goff is the long-term answer. I like what they did at the top of the draft, going defense. But I think here, got to go offense, got to start preparing for the future at the quarterback position. So I'm going with Sam Howell. I don't think that he's just this bona fide first-round pick. He's kind of being forced into this right here. But to be able to get that fifth-year option on the guy, kind of see, you know, it was the dramatic drop-off because this is a guy people thought would be potentially a top-ten pick. And he lost to Diami Brown. He lost Dash Newsom. He lost his running backs. And he, let, he ended up leading his team in rushing last year. Like, he was forced to be everything. I think he took a hit yeah. and was just a little uh, – playing a little fast and sped up mentally. I think he goes to a team like Detroit – they're continuing to build that offensive line. I think they're in a good place right now. You got a run game with guys like Swift behind you. They're putting receivers out there. I think this opportunity for him to be able to sit behind a Jared Goff, things slow down. You don't have to rush him in, and eventually he'll be the guy of the future. So I like Sam Howell in this position. Again, don't think that he's 100% a first-round pick, but, I mean, if you're talking 32nd overall, I think they'll be just fine with taking him there and still getting that fifth-year option. Yeah, I agree, especially the part about running last year at North Carolina. I think they did a disservice to how with all those design quarterback runs because they had nobody else. You know, 
when you watch the passing film of Sam Howell last year, it wasn't bad at all. It's not as bad as what you saw, you know, what you may have seen in the stats of the box score. Then he goes to the senior bowl, has a couple of really good days throwing the ball consistently. Didn't make the wild throws like the Malik Willis, you know, didn't have make many of the great throws that say Desmond Ritter did on day two, but consistently he was the most accurate passer in the short and, and long field. So I agree with uh, what Eric said. You just better protect him because he's not a big guy. He's not a su- uh, he's not a super mobile guy. He doesn't have the great stature. Bill, you got to build that offensive line around. They got some good pieces there. You continue to uh, go in that direction to fortify the offensive line. That had Ragnar, who was a first round pick a couple of years ago. He doesn't have to start right away. You can sit him behind Goff. Makes a lot of sense for the future for the Lions. All right, guys. Before we wrap up here. Uh, your thoughts on how this first round wound up? Any really big surprises for either of you for a guy that's still left that did not get selected? Um, I think a lot of people might jump out at you. I think a lot of people would be surprised by uh, Lindenbaum probably not going, even though I have some you know questions about just you know play strength, his right. size, doesn't have the arm length, things yeah. like that. The film is good, but how are the NFL teams going to? Uh, view him when they start to punch his numbers in and stack that up with other guys that have his same type of frame. And did Olave go? Yes. Can't okay, see. I know we brought his name up, so okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, really, the only guy that's left that uh, has a surefire first round uh, grade on my board is N'Kobe Dean. And N'Kobe Dean is under six foot tall. I mean, he hasn't really worked out yet, so he's not a linebacker for everybody. So he's one of those guys that could slide out of round one. We had three quarterbacks going in the first round. Uh, which I, I think is it, that's the maximum number. I don't see four. Some people talk about five quarterbacks. Well, no, we have four because I had one go at the end. I apologize. Okay, fine. All right. So we did. We had four, but the uh, but Howell was the last pick around. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree about Lindemann. Traylon Burks doesn't surprise me that if he falls out of round one because I think he's you know people are seeing him. Yeah, he's a real strong, solid possession receiver, but he needs a lot of work on his routes. I mean, those big plays were a bit over-exaggerated on Saturday, uh, and he's not a good system fit for everybody. Yeah, and I'll throw Devontae Wyatt into that mix. I think he'll probably get into the first round on draft night just because of his pass rush ability, ability to get upfield. Uh, he did not in, in, this, in this particular draft so that we did today. So, folks, make sure you stay tuned to draft season. We'll continue to do things like this, other fun stuff, where we're a month away from the draft. Make sure you stay tuned. Again, subscribe to this particular podcast feed as you track our draft coverage heading to the NFL draft at the end of April on April 28th. For Tony Pauline and Eric Crocker, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time. This is draft season.